Just to make sure that you think that I'm spiritual, I'm going to read one. First John. First John. I caught some of you on that one. First John chapter 4. In fact, why don't you turn to it, because I want you to, if you don't have this underline in your Bibles, if you're not an underliner, I don't want to go against your religious prejudices or your practices. But if you're an underliner or a highlighter like I am, Harry, I'm an underliner and a highlighter guy. Okay, underline it and highlight it. Okay. First John, chapter 4, and verse 16. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. One more time. God is love. Look at somebody and say, you are loved. You are loved. Now look at him again and say, I am loved. I am loved. Okay. If you had a hesitancy when you said that, there is a good chance that you're not living in the full realm of his love. Because what the enemy wants to do is he wants to bring condemnation upon us because we're going to read in the next scripture that the condemnation of the enemy, he wants to put that, what does it say in Romans chapter 8? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. What after the spirit. Spirit. Okay? If you're going to walk after the spirit, there is going to be an experience. It's just not this, this idea of where we just get the little Holy Ghost heebie-jeebies. Okay, I'm not trying to be disrespectful of the presence of God. I'm not, not doing that at all. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help us to realize that we need to go, Hannah, we need to go farther in the Spirit where we lose the time and space. How many of you have ever been in an awesome service where all of a sudden you look at the clock and you go like, hold the phone. Two hours have gone. Three hours have gone. Yes? Okay, what happened to that? Is you are in the spirit. You are in a dimension of the spirit. Now, here is where our Pentecostal ancestry have had some unfortunate experiences, and he can give you a whole lot better description of that, of what has happened. Anybody hear of wildfire days where the spirit was falling and giftings were falling and all kinds of stuff was happening? Some of you ladies might remember some of those days, okay? Uh, we have heard all these stories of the Toronto Blessing and the Vineyard and all this kind of stuff, and hooky stuff happened, okay? What happened? That actually put an apprehension on us apostolics. I wasn't involved in it at the time, but I have had my spiritual father and many mentors and prophets and apostles speak to me since about those days what has happened. And I have seen the effects of it. Is we have we have gotten shy of the move of the spirit. We are firm on doctrine. We have no problem with doctrine. If I'd ask any of you how much do you, how do you enter the kingdom of God, you would tell me what verse. Not you. Thank you very much. And one more. John, John 3, 6. 3, 6. 3, 5. Okay? Very, very, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Acts 2, 38, straight as the gate. Man, we believe that so much we can look through a keyhole key sideways. 
Woo, solid on doctrine. Ephesians 2.20. Rooted and grounded. Nope, sorry, that's another one. Built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief, chief cornerstone. Thank you. Solid on doctrine. Solid on doctrine. One true living God. Acts 2.38. Straight as the gate. Acts 2.38. Okay, we preach that or preach that. One thing that we have shied away from, and that is the moves of the Holy Ghost. Spontaneous, seeking the vein of the Spirit of God where the gifts of the Holy Ghost flow unhindered. And that is one of the things that the Lord is helping us with. Our mindset is becoming opened up, if you will. Now, as soon as I say that, you may have a tendency to go, oh, he's starting to get into wildfire stuff there. He's starting to get in this hooky pooky. <laughs> um, what's uh, that, that website? Chris, the uh, hippydippy.com. <laughs> Hippy Dippy, uh, ooh, his feel after the Lord and his feel. No, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. That's right. Okay? I want to help you tonight by the Holy Ghost. I want to help you tonight that you are able to tap into the spirit at a moment's notice. Praise God. If any of you have noticed me when I came in, all right, I wasn't in a vein of intercession when I, came, when I was coming here. I was in a vein of warfare and declaring and prophesying. Coming over here, there was angels that were on top of our pilot. There's a very high-ranking angel that actually has traveled with us from the headwaters to here. There is multiple armies that have come with him. There is angelic hosts that have come into now. As soon as I start talking to angels, you're going like, oh, what are you doing talking about angels? We have no problem talking about devils, but we have issues talking about angels. Okay? One of the things that the Lord is wanting to believe help us with is to help us become comfortable. Do you know how comfortable the early church was with talking about angels? Let me give you an example. Do you remember when Peter was in jail and the angel brought him out? Yes. Okay, what did he do? He went to a house where they're having all that prayer meeting. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Young girl comes to the door, answers the door, wrote up. She goes, Oh, it's Peter! Bam! Close the door and runs back. Hey, Peter's at the door. They go, like, Nah, it's not him. Yes, it's really him. Notice what they said. They said, No, it's not Peter, it's his angel. Check it out. Joshua had no issue talking to an angel. Daniel had no issue talking to Gabriel. And he even went so far, I'm assuming Daniel wrote Daniel. I'm assuming. Assuming so. He even had no problem to actually give the conversation that Gabriel said, yeah, I was coming here, but I was held back by the Prince of Persia. And then that was when Michael the Archangel came over and gave me a hand. He's whipping his butt right now. But I've got to leave you here in a little bit and go back and help him because he needs more help. He had no right even no problem writing that down. Mary has an angel come to her and says, Hey, by the way, you haven't had any intimate relationship with a man, but you're going to have a baby. She goes, well, Be it unto me according to your word. Gideon. Shall I keep going? <laughs> we have no problems reading that in the Bible. That's right. Why do we have a problem with seeing that today? Why do we have, we have, we, we hold up as apostolics, we hold up the, the book of Acts as an awesome book. Look at this, it's so awesome what happened. And we tell people, yes, we're a part of this book and we've experienced salvation in this book. But as soon as 
the fire of God starts falling on us, we want to start trying to analyze it. Well, what's happening? Well, is the pastor going to take control of this? Is, is the gifts of the Spirit going to flow right? I mean, if it goes this way, it needs to go this way. Um, and, and dancing in the Spirit, oh, I don't know if I should really... She's, she's really getting a blessing from the Lord, you know, and that only happens at, at conference. You know, or at camp. Boy, the last night at camp, that's a blowout, and it's that night that people really get lost in the Spirit, and their hairpins fly out, but it's only for that night. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm being a little suspicious, and I'm being a little... Suspicious? Suspicious. Okay, that. <laughs> I don't know a whole lot of words. The words that I do know, I need to make them stand up and do tricks. So, <laughs> what are we doing? What are we? What are, what are we doing here tonight? Why did you come tonight? I'm not asking you to answer that. I'm just. I'm asking you. I ask these questions to make you think. Why did you come tonight? Did you come just because the Pastor said well, we're having a prayer night? And well, that's what we've always done. We've gone to prayer. Did you come here and did the Spirit of the Lord speak to you and tell you and actually tune you into what we were going to be doing tonight? How many times do you go to church and you know what the preacher's going to preach? How many times do you go to church and you actually feel the vein of the Spirit of something that the Lord is going to do in the service? I want to ask you that. I want to get you thinking. Okay, so where do we get the idea that it's only the preacher that's got to be tuned in? We expect him to be dialed into God, right? But what about, what happens if Sister Roland actually has a word of prophecy that needs to be spoken to the body? What happens if Esther has a word of exhortation from the Spirit that needs to be shared with the body? What happens if Tim actually has a message to preach from the Spirit. Are we willing to allow God to change up our church? Are we willing to let Him scramble the way we think church should be? I'm not talking about doing stuff just for the sake of doing it different. My job here tonight is to bring you to a place where you will throw your hands up and say, Jesus, not my will, but thine be done. Yes. How many of you have ever danced in the spirit or been a holy roller or roll on the floor? How many of you have danced in the spirit? Just gone in the spirit. How many of you have been slain in the spirit? All right, a few of you. Okay, wonderful. All right, what do you think when it happens when somebody gets slain on the spirit? What comes to your mind? Okay, I'm asking you these questions to get you thinking. Okay, I'm not talking about, okay, it's getting a little somber in here. It's okay. I'm, I'm getting you thinking. I want you to think. I want you to do an analysis of your mode of operation of what you believe the Spirit should do. I'm not talking about being just crazy and being wildfire stuff. I'm not talking about that business. I am speaking to you from a premise that my nose is in the carpet and I am at the feet of Jesus, and I want his will to be done so much in my life that with the rest of my life, I will let him do whatever he wants. I will be Acts 3, verse 8. The wind blows where it listeth, 
And you can hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell whether it's going or John, sorry. Thank you. John 3, 8. John 5, 8, 3. 3, 8. I'm so glad I left her long. <laughs> the wind blows where it listens, and you can hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell whether it cometh or whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. Are you born of the spirit? Put your finger and put it in the air. Spiritually speaking. You'll see me do that every once in a while. And it's sort of become a joke up in Ontario and our church is up there when I do that. No, Uncle Dean's looking at his finger again. <laughs> but they've got the message. When I do this, uh, tune in. Yeah. Which way is wind blowing? Uh, it's over here today. There are times we come into church and we never have any preacher. It's because we have somebody get up and say a few words. A minstrel gets up and starts playing the keyboard and the Spirit of God falls and the altar fills up and we spend the whole time praying in the altar. Are we okay with that? I'm not saying that the Word of God isn't need to be preached. I'm not saying that at all. Some of this here and some of the mode of operation has even stretched your pasture up. I'm a little bit of a wild man, when it, especially when it comes to traditional Pentecostals. You want to classify as one of these, these guys that... He didn't have much schooling. <laughs> Thank God. All right, I'm sort of like a little bit of a John the Baptist coming in. I'm not wearing camel skin tonight, but the, um, we need to have the Spirit of God baptize us so that we become drunk with His love, with His Spirit, with our hearts being overwhelmed with wanting to be what He wants us to be. In a few minutes here, whenever the Holy Ghost allows us to kick this up, we're going to pray for a couple of things. And one of the things we're going to pray for tonight is you're going to ask God to deliver you from the addiction of the approval of people. Yes, yes, yes. That's a big one. Yeah. Yes. yes. How many of you, okay, my wife can... She can preach you a message right now in regards to that. Why don't you tell us a little bit, babe, about how it was for you, the struggle that you had with this, especially for us coming out of the Mennonite. Maybe explain a little bit sort of the concept of what that was like, coming us out of the Mennonites and how coming into this absolute truth was, and especially when you seen the Spirit moving on me that first time when I got the Holy Ghost. Just tell them a little bit of that. Well, for me, um, I wish I could say that it was only just back then, you know, when, you know, coming out of the Mennonite culture and coming into this truth and having basically, you know, your whole social structure, family, everything saying that you're deceived. And there you had to lay down, you know, your love, people's approval and addiction to um, people approval approval addiction. Yeah. But for me, it is something that I need to pray on a daily basis mm -hmm. because it is not a once and done thing. It's like, you know, when Paul says that um, he dies daily. For me, my, my nature, I have a non-confrontational nature. I don't like conflict. Mm -hmm. And um, my husband's a trailblazer and God in his mercy put me with him or else I would still be a Mennonite lady sitting on a pew as lost as could be. I know yeah. I would. And I'm so very, very grateful <clears throat> that God put us together because I would have never broken out of that culture on my own. I know I wouldn't. But um, the fact of just caring what people think is something that um, we have to, to die to, at least I have to die to on a regular basis, because it will come in in all sorts of unique ways, and it can be a crippling thing. But when every day I see Jesus 
I care more about what you think than what anybody else thinks, and I'm going to follow you no matter what. It is incredibly free. It's uncomfortable, but it is very, very free. And I think it's something, you know, because we all know that addictions are wrong, addictions to whatever. But um, we are all so often bound up by addictions of how people view us and what people think. And it's a very real thing. But when we lay that down every day at the foot of the cross, and maybe you folks have this all nailed, I'm still working on it. You can come and pray for me. But when I lay it down every day at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, all that matters in my life is that someday you will say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. That's, um, yeah. Praise God. Tell them them what the Holy Ghost told you, what you told me back here. We came in. You need to hear this. Folks are a very, very, very precious group of people, and um, all of you are um, you're, you're going through so many different things. We know some of you better than others. We've known Marcus and Amber for years, and um, we're getting just loving to learn to know all of you better. It was so good coming out here. Looking so forward to coming out for the weekend. Felt I said to Dean as we were coming, I said I feel like we're just coming back to be with family, and I'm yes. very grateful. Amen. Um, I'm very grateful for the family of God, for my natural family. We have Alicia with us. We have three awesome boys. We have a grandson now. Our oldest son's married. We have a grandbaby. And uh, yes, I'm the proud man. I will show you pictures afterwards. But um, you know, when you when you face things with your earthly family, and um, and she knows just so that you know, for both her parents have passed away. Her family is still conservative Mennonite. And just as of recently, they had cut my wife off and our family from any kind of family relations with the rest of them. So my wife, when she speaks of what she's about to speak to, she knows what she's talking about because she has had to have Jesus heal her heart just recently in relation to her family, earthly family, rejecting her. So when she speaks to you about you being family, Auntie Kathy knows what she's talking about. The family of God is the greatest family in the world. And as much as it hurts when earthly siblings and they, you know, they don't understand, because misunderstanding hurts. It really does. It's not easy. And um, it's not an easy thing. When other people, you know, pass us away or when they tell us to leave, whatever you're going through tonight, Jesus knows. And um, the verse that says, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. And he does. He truly does. But one of the things that um, he just said to me when I came in here tonight, he said, I really want this group of people that are here tonight to know how very, very much I love them. He loves you all so very, very much. And I believe we're all going to leave tonight getting a brand new revelation of his love because it truly is a revelation yes and uh, we keep as we get closer to him we keep understanding more and more how very very much he loves us because it blows our minds and so it has to be by revelation mm-hmm. but um, he loves you all so very much tonight jesus jesus loves you tonight that's another perception the enemy wants to try to take away from us is we think that we've got to do all of the stuff to make Jesus pleased with us. God doesn't love you for what you do. He loves you for who you are. Performance does not produce relationship. Relationship produces performance. 
and even us apostolics fall into this, like us Mennonites. Us Mennonites are, we were bad for them. We would, we would have to do certain things. I had to wear my plain coat. My wife had to wear the white little cap. She had to make her own dresses, make the cape dresses. We had to do certain things, go through instruction class. They were even trying to, okay, certain, her, her, her particular denomination made them wear black, black footwear. I could have white footwear, so I was a wild guy. I had to wear white tennis shoes. Wow. <laughs> you folks think of it and you go like, what? Yeah, it, what, what it was, it was works. Us apostolics can fall into the same thing. Mm -hmm. We need to love Jesus before we come to church. Amen. You need to be speaking in tongues before you come to church. You need to be praying in the Holy Ghost before you come to church. Lost. I proclaim for you folks to experience the love of Jesus so much that you get drunk in the Spirit in your own prayer closet. If you're rolling around the floor to speaking in tongues. That you have angels touch you and minister. Angels walk into your room and feel like you can touch, they touch you. Holy Ghost is internal, often external. If you feel that, like that we talk about the Holy Ghost goosebumps, that's actually most often angels. It's angelic ministry. There's angels in this room. Okay, sometimes God opened your eyes, you get impressions. On the way, basically all the way here, my wife and I, we can't see the physical form of it, but in our spirit eye, the Lord opens up your spirit eye, you can see these angels. There was a tall angel, he's got about 30, 40 feet tall, right on top of our pile. All the way here. When we were coming here, there were demonic forces. We hit that 80, was it 89 that runs north and south where the 90 dissects? Is it 89, 87? 84. 84. We hit that 84. And there was a demonic stronghold there of something or other. I seen demons. It was like these angels that were with us were plowing these demons back almost like a snowplow. There was a cry tonight. Lord opened my ears to be able to hear this roar of angelic roar coming all the way from New York, all the way here. In the spirit, these angels, this has happened to us before. We have been down in Pennsylvania praying spiritual warfare over the Welsh mountains where there was murders and garbage and just awful witchcraft and awful stuff. And the Lord had us pray up over top of there and it happened the same way all the way across Massachusetts. Whenever we've come across Massachusetts, it's always been dead, dull, dark, and just like, you drive the line, I can't wait to get through Massachusetts. It's just you cross the Hudson River and just like, oh. Just like, oh. It's just like me. Lucky. Not tonight. All the way across Massachusetts in the spirit, it was a carving, just like it was for us going over the Welsh Mountains down in Pennsylvania. There was a breakthrough in the spirit. I, don't, I can't explain to you other than the Lord shows us this stuff in the spirit. Sometimes you will get spirit information before you get understanding. How many of you had understanding and received the Holy Ghost the first time? You didn't. You just received the Holy Ghost spoken tongues. You don't know what you're saying. You were trusted, you were okay with that, right? Because it was spirit. Okay, we need to trust the spirit. And then he will bring us understanding if he wants us to. Again, again, scriptural, staying in the Bible. You say, well, where can you find angels that sit on top of a pilot in the Bible? Okay, I'll give that to you. I can't find scripture for that. But I do know a man of God that says, 
Was it an angel that stood by Paul and said, nobody's going to die tonight? Right. Yes. I do know an angel that walks into a jail and goes, hey, old Pete, let's go. Oh, come on, get him. Over here and sit down right over here. That's great. There you go, Pete, be loosed in Jesus' name. All right. So, Peter was okay with that. The early church was okay with that. But somehow we've gotten to 2021 and we are fearful of this spirit stuff or this angel stuff. There's no need to fear. Right. Jesus loves you. He's yes. not God. If, oh, oh she goes on. I'm going to use the same one, Lillian, the same word that, that I used when my Mennonite friends were coming to me. After I've been baptized in Jesus' name, my wife and I have been baptized in Jesus' name, I received the Holy Ghost. They would say, you're deceived, you're deceived. You're believing false doctrine. It's not according to our Mennonite faith. What was what I, what did I go back to? I stood on the word of God. And it yeah. says, you cannot be deceived. The principles of Jesus, of God's word, is that you cannot be deceived if you are pure in your heart to him. Yeah. You are yearning for a pure heart. That was yeah. all that I was wanting. I had my face in the carpet. My buddy and I, my buddy and I, buddy and I, on our knees for an hour and a half before we went to that apostolic church because we were praying that God would help us to keep us from false religion. An hour and a half of praying, snot rags. And then that morning, in my Mennonite plain coat, on my knees, and boom, the Holy Ghost, I received it. Two weeks later, I got baptized. How? Is because my heart was going, God, I don't want anything but truth. Yes. I don't want anything but purity. Yes. Amen. Folks, Amen. we cannot be deceived if we ask God for a pure heart. Yes. That's one of the reasons why you Amen. see this man leading you oftentimes in the, into altars. I beat a lot of our people into altars. I preach with messages with people in altars. That's one of my best messages that I remember preaching is when people are praying in the altar the entire time I'm preaching, you know what's even better? Is when I don't get to preach. Is when God moves and we just all go to the altar. It's because we want to have a pure heart. For seven years I've led the churches in Ontario. We're on dirty gym floors, up in rented buildings, in packed into living rooms. My daughter-in-law received the Holy Ghost on the kitchen floor. Seeking God for a pure heart. We have way too many pastors and bishops and superintendents and all kinds of, they want to have names and plaques, but they don't want to get down to their boots and to their t-shirts and beat their saints to the altar. I teach my spiritual sons, if you guys can't cry in front of a crowd, you need to go come back and start praying. Because your people need to see you with your heart broken before God yes. from a pure heart. Guess what happens when you do that? It looses you in the spirit and you lose the fear of people. You lose whether or not I'm going to tick off my brother or sister. And you say, Jesus, I just want to be pleasing to you. I lay myself before you, Lord. I'm not saying that you have to be prostrate on the floor. I'm not saying that you have to be as 
crazy and as uncouth as yours truly. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that you've got to have a heart for God that you will forget about what people think and you'll get up and move to wherever you need to in the building or wherever you're at and say, Jesus, I've got to have a move of your spirit in my life. I could care less. Pastor, if I'm, if I'm out of line, please correct me, but I don't think you would have a problem with somebody praying in the altar the entire time of a service, would you? Oh, there you have it. We need a revival of the love for Jesus because that will give us liberty for His Spirit. Amen. The best thing that I have done as far as being successful as, a, as, a, as an apostle or a pastor or a bishop, whatever I am, chief bottle washer, chief someday's chief center. Paul said he's the chief, chief of centers. He started off saying, I'm the chief of the apostles. And he said, I'm the chiefest of saints. <laughs> and then he goes, I'm the chiefest of sinners. One of the best things that I've ever done to be successful is just to lead people into prayer. And to get them to a place where they just yearn to have Jesus wash over them. And they just, on the floor, we get up from those dirty gym floors up in Ontario. We rent that it was dirty. You get up, your knees are dirty. We put down wrestling pads just to give people places to kneel on. They get up there, we get away, and there would be puddles of snot and tears like this on the floor. Mounds of Kleenexes. Service after service after service after service. Yeah. Some days, be no preaching. It'd just be a just be a one of the men of God, even a woman, sometimes speaking the word of exhortation and the spirit of God's fullness. I want to encourage you folks here in Cumberland. And as your pastor has asked me to be in spiritual cover, and I will challenge him on this as well. And that is, we need to seek the face of Jesus. That's even you kids. You guys talk to Jesus. Guess what? I got a little this, Kyle. Got my cell phone there. Come here. Bring up a picture of Junior's. I want to show him James. We have uh, a couple that we, uh, these 11 folks that we baptized out of Ohio. The one couple, there's a, number of the, uh, a, few, a couple of the, three of the couples have gone on. They've gone different venues of ministry. All right. We have this one couple that is actually stepping in to be pastors out there. And uh, they're actually we're establishing the work in Ohio, in the ministry in Ohio. And thank you, babe. This here is Junior and Martha Troyer. And this is Hannah. This is James. And this is Rosie. And this is Andrew. Now, James is eight. James is eight. But guess what James started doing? He started, he started having this going out and starting to pray. I started talking to him about how he can hear from Jesus. He started coming to me and he says, He got the Holy Ghost Yes, when did he get the Holy Ghost again? Remember? I'm not sure, but he prays in tongues. Yes. Well, we, we, were at, we, we were at camp, and he was uh, riding in the back of the... My wife and I had done a little bit of the prayer drive around in the side-by-side. -side. 
him and his buddy are sitting in the back and he told me later, he says, uh, oh, by the way, when you were driving around, I was, I was speaking in tongues. I was going, that's awesome, man. He's eight years old. He's just back there just speaking in tongues, I guess, because he's getting cabby work, but he's floating. You're eight, too? Well, hot dog. Congratulations. You've arrived. All right. I, I want to show you. Right here. This is the day that James got baptized. This is James' dad, and we baptized him together. He wanted us to baptize him together, so we baptized him in that river in Ohio. And James got the Holy Ghost, but this is what James does. I told him, and the other kids, but especially him, I says, what you do is, why don't you go out in that deer stand? He likes deer hunting. They go out deer hunting, and he, she shoots guns, and, and he's telling me, yeah, I had a shot at 30 yards. I mean, he's shooting guns that are... I don't even know how to shoot. I mean, he's eight years old, and he's out deer hunting. Anyway, uh, he says, yeah, I was out there. I told him, I says, well, you go out into the, uh, into the tree stand, and you just ask Jesus to talk to you. You just say, Jesus. Uncle Dean says, I can come and talk to you anytime, so I want to I wanna hear from you, Jesus. Tell him how to just talk to Jesus. Just talk to him. And I says, then you be quiet, and you listen. And just listen to see if Jesus tells you anything. And then whatever he tells you, you come back, you tell your mom and dad. And what I want you to do is I want you to mark a poll. Uncle Dean, I want you to send me a message. Okay. And he's like, oh, okay. So it was a while later. So all of a sudden I remembered, I had told him this. I says, hey, by the way, we had set up a scene other I says, did, uh, did the Lord give you, a, did the Lord give, well, we were on a Zoom, I think a Zoom meeting one night. I says, hey, did Jesus talk to you? He says, yeah, I did. Um, he told me to tell you, and he proceeds to give me about six different verses. He just, he never had it written down. He just spoke them out of his head, he did. out of his spirit. Never had nothing written down. He says, yeah, and he just reads out the scripture. One day he sent me a photo, he says, uh, he says, hey Dean, he says, uh, I couldn't sleep last night, and, and I, was just, I couldn't really go to sleep, so I got up and I read, uh, and he told me the scripture that he read, and he said it was just what I needed. And it really made me feel good. And that was it of the poll. Dog. The Lord told me that happened is God is putting on this young man the mantle of Samuel. Uh -huh. Guess what happened this past weekend? I says, hey, but they were up in they were in New York. And I says, hey, did Jesus talk to you at all lately? He says, yeah. He says, yeah, he gave me some scripture. I says, oh, come on over here to my Bible. So I got my, my note out. He ends up giving me four different scriptures off the top of his head without anything written down. One thing after the next, I says, uh, did Jesus tell you that these are for me or for, for me to tell other people? He says, they're for you, but they're also for other people too, for you to tell other people. <laughs> Eight years old. Why would we think that that's not normal? Right. It's because our society has influenced Christendom today yeah. and is trying to take away our children's dedication and availability mm -hmm. to the Spirit of God. Yeah. Folks, I'm praying the rededication of our hearts yes. and our families and our minds to the love of our Heavenly Father so that we can have liberty. Amen. You don't have to come to an altar, but you need to have an altar in your heart. Yes, Jesus. That's the most important. Amber, can we put a little music on? Alicia, could you go get my blankie? Give me my blankie.
For those of you that don't know, I, I'm, I need, I have a, I carry with me a security blanket. I'm a, I'm a, I think they're believing. I know. <laughs> no, they are. <laughs> we have a, we have done all my prayer meetings for over over three years now, and uh, I picked up this fuzzy blanket, and it's just awesome. It's it's been everywhere with me. It's been a gym floors, and and uh, thank you. And this is my my blanket. I'm not Muslim. I am Christian. I don't. It's not my prayer blanket, but it is my prayer blanket. Um, and uh, I just like laying out before the Lord. It's just what I like doing. So I would it doesn't feel doesn't feel nice. Just feel that. I don't know that you like that. Does that feel nice? <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, I like that. Peekaboo. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, not that stinky thing. Hey, you know what, folks? Jesus wants you to be at home with him. I'm not saying that we disrespect the presence of God. I'm actually saying that what we need to do is actually respect his presence more than what we do. And let go. Let that let you.